When something important is about to happen, it's very natural that you pay very close attention. Say it's game seven of the NBA Finals, the game is tied and the clock is ticking down. Say it's your daughter's first piano recital and it's finally her turn to play her piece. You maybe know what that's like, your eyes are glued in, your attention is undivided, you're not going to miss a single second of the action. In the very same way, the book of the Bible known as Acts begins in a way that lets us know something very important is about to take place because Jesus' followers are paying very close attention. We're told that after Jesus suffered and died on the cross, he rose from the dead and for a period of 40 days, he appeared to his disciples. He gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive, in fact, even eating with them on several occasions to make it clear that he wasn't a ghost or just a figment of their imagination. And then when those 40 days were up, here's what we're told. He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So the disciples were looking right at Jesus, their attention was undivided, their eyes were glued, and Jesus went up to heaven. Here's why that's important. The Bible tells us that Jesus was fully God and fully man in one person. In other words, he was fully one of us in every way. And so he was born as one of us. He lived as one of us. He suffered and died as one of us. He rose from the dead as one of us, and he ascended into heaven as one of us. In other words, when Jesus went up into heaven, he didn't leave his humanity behind. He didn't leave it behind the way a snake might shed its skin. He didn't go back to just being God again. No, he went up into heaven as one of us. We call this Jesus' ascension. And this week, we're going to be talking about all of the different reasons why it's important that Jesus went into heaven as God and man, in other words, as one of us. For now, you might think of it this way. Imagine that you grew up in very difficult circumstances. Some small town in the middle of nowhere, terrible schools, high rates of crime and poverty and drug use. Everyone who grew up in those circumstances felt like they were trapped, that there was no way out, that nothing was ever going to get better. But then one day, someone from that town, someone you knew, someone you grew up with, got out. They got a great education, got a great job, made all kinds of money, eventually even went into politics and got elected President of the United States. What would that mean for everyone else living in that town? It would mean everything, right? It would mean that the person at the very top of power was one of you. Someone who understood you, someone who cared about you, someone who would act in your best interest. It would give you hope that just as that person had made it out and changed their circumstances, maybe someday so could you. Friends, as we talk about Jesus' ascension this week, we're going to see the very same thing, that Jesus' ascension means all of that. That even better than if one of us were sitting in the White House, Jesus' ascension means that one of us is sitting in heaven. Are you the type of person that struggles to sit still? You maybe know that some people have a very difficult time relaxing. Even on their day off from work, they still tackle about a dozen projects around the house. Even when they're on vacation, they're up at the crack of dawn and always want to be on the go. Some people just struggle to sit still. And whether that describes you or not, really all of us struggle to sit still in a much more important way. 
When it comes to our value and our virtue as human beings, we have this inescapable sense that there's always more that needs to be done. And so we're constantly trying to prove that we're the perfect parent or that we've taken the right stance on certain key social issues. We're constantly trying to make up for the wrongs that we've done or make the hurt that we've caused go away. We maybe know that God loves us and that Jesus paid for our sins and yet still we just struggle to sit still. We struggle to find rest. So what's the solution? Well, this week we're talking about Jesus' ascension. Forty days after Jesus rose from the dead, he went back up into heaven and he went back up into heaven as God and man. In other words, he went into heaven as one of us. And one of the reasons that's important is because of the Bible passage that we're going to look at today. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So in the Old Testament, the high priest who represented the entire nation before God, he was always on his feet. He was always offering more and more sacrifices for more and more sins. But in contrast, our high priest, Jesus, who represents the entire world before God, he offered just one sacrifice. He offered himself. And then when he was done, the Bible tells us he sat down. That's some pretty important body language right there. It's body language that communicates completion. If you come home from a long day of work and you sit back and relax in your favorite recliner and put up your feet, you're sending a very important message. You're saying that you're done, that you're finished, that your work for the day is complete. And after offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins, Jesus did the very same thing. He communicated that his work was finished and he did so by sitting down by not moving a muscle, by not doing one more thing to pay for our sins. If you struggle to sit still, it's really no surprise. In fact, a church father by the name of Augustine once said that our souls are restless until they find rest in God. So are you constantly trying to prove to yourself or to others that you're a good person? Don't. Jesus, one of us, has already lived a perfect life. Are you constantly trying to make up for the wrong things that you've done? Don't. One of us has already paid for those sins. Do you struggle to sit still? Don't. Jesus, one of us, is sitting still right now in heaven, signaling that his work for us is complete, signaling that you can find all the rest you need in him. Where is God? Maybe that's a question you've asked yourself before. Maybe it's a question that other people have asked you. When one more gunman opens fire in one more church or one more school, where is God? As political divisions deepen and tensions and hatred rise, where is God? As you sit with your spouse on your living room couch and let that awful news from the doctor sink in, where is God? This week we're talking about Jesus' ascension. Forty days after Easter, Jesus went back up into heaven and he did so as God and man. He did so as one of us. Yesterday we saw how when Jesus got into heaven, he sat down, signaling that his work as our Savior was complete. 
And yet, just because Jesus is sitting down doesn't mean he isn't busy. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Where is God? When life seems chaotic, very often we assure ourselves by saying things like, God is in control. And yet it would be more accurate to say that Jesus is in control. God has placed everything under Jesus' power and authority. We might think of it this way, that when Jesus went back up into heaven, he went from being one of the star characters in the movie to being the movie's director. He's no longer on camera. You no longer see him on the screen as the story unfolds. And yet that doesn't mean that his importance and his influence have gone down. It actually means that they've gone up. He's now responsible for every last detail that goes on in that story. He's in charge of it all. And once again, the reason that's so comforting is because Jesus is one of us. And so it's no surprise to hear the Bible tell us that Jesus rules all things for the church, which is his body. So just as our brain makes decisions for the rest of our body, so also Jesus makes decisions for the rest of his church, for you and for me. And of course, he does so in the best interest of his church. Now, it might not always seem that way. In fact, come to think of it, it might not always seem that way with the decisions that our head makes for the rest of our body. For example, if you're a little out of shape, you might decide to go lift some weights or step on a treadmill. If you're not feeling well or you go through some sort of injury, you might take some medication that actually makes you feel awful. If something isn't working properly in your body, you might actually let someone with a really sharp knife slice you wide open. And of course, in each of those instances, what's going on doesn't seem very fun, doesn't seem very pleasant for the body. But of course, all of that is in the body's best interest. And in the very same way, even when it doesn't seem obvious, even if we can't tell, even when we can't see how, everything that happens in this world happens for our good. It happens for our benefit. In fact, it has to. Why? Because the one who's in charge of it all, the one who is ruling over all things, is one of us. Most of us have probably been in a situation where someone else is representing us, where someone else is speaking on our behalf. Say you're buying a new house and it's your realtor who is trying to get you the best price. Say you've taken a new job at a new company and it's the recruiter who's trying to negotiate your salary. So you get into a car accident and it's the insurance agent who is trying to settle the claim. In each of those cases, you maybe also know how important it is for that person who's speaking on your behalf to know you and understand you. For that realtor to know what you're looking for in a house and what your price limit is. For that job recruiter to know the unique skill set that you bring to your new company. For that insurance agent to know exactly what happened in that car accident. In fact, the better someone knows you, the better they can represent your interests. This week, we're talking about Jesus' ascension into heaven. Forty days after Easter, he went back up into heaven and he did so as God and man. In other words, he did so as one of us. One more reason that's important is because the Bible tells us that in heaven, Jesus speaks on our behalf. The Bible says, For there is one God, and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So you've got 
God over here, you've got all of mankind over here, and in between stands Jesus. Only it doesn't just say Jesus, it says the man, Christ Jesus. The one who represents us and speaks on our behalf is one of us. Which means that Jesus understands our story perfectly because he lived that story. Jesus knows everything that we go through because he went through those very same things himself. In fact, not only does Jesus understand us, but Jesus has demonstrated just how much he cares for us. He gave his life as a ransom, as a payment for ours. There are lots of situations in which it's important to have someone else representing you and speaking on your behalf. And maybe the most important is when you have been accused of a crime. And believe it or not, this is an experience that actually all of us share. That in the courtroom of God, charges, accusations have been brought against us and really it's an open and shut case. The evidence is very clear. The eyewitnesses all agree we are guilty and we deserve to be punished. And yet thankfully, in that courtroom, standing there right by our side and speaking on our behalf is Jesus, one of us. Which means that we never have to wonder or worry how this trial in God's courtroom is going to turn out. The guilt has already been assigned. The punishment has already been handed down. And it's Jesus himself who has taken on that guilt and who has paid that penalty. And then once he did, he ascended into heaven as one of us. Which means that that very same Jesus now speaks for us, pleads our case before God as one of us. Before it's possible for anyone and everyone to do something that's never been done before, it often takes one person to do it first. We might think of Jackie Robinson, who became the first African-American baseball player to make it into Major League Baseball. We might think of Sandra Day O'Connor, who became the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court. Very often when something has never been done before, it often takes one person to break through that barrier, to shatter that glass ceiling, to pave the way for everyone else. The same is true of our relationship with God. We might try all we want to sort of climb the ladder to get up to God and to enter the eternal home that he's prepared for us, but no matter how hard we might try, sin would make that impossible. Far greater than just a glass ceiling, sin is like an iron, impenetrable barrier that separates us from God. No matter how hard we might try, there's nothing that we could do to successfully break through. What we would need is for someone to break that barrier for us, someone to pave the way. This week we're talking about Jesus' ascension. Forty days after Easter, Jesus went back up into heaven and he did so as both God and man. In other words, he did so as one of us. One more reason why that's so important is because when Jesus went back up into heaven as one of us, he paved the way so that one day we could be there too. When Jesus went back up into heaven as one of us, for the very first time, a human being was in heaven and heaven didn't instantly spit him back out. When Jesus ascended into heaven, a real live human being sat down at the right hand of God and God didn't have to instantly turn away and hold his nose from the stench of sin. No, because Jesus, one of us, has gone back up into heaven, it means that he's paved the way for us to be there too. In fact, before he went into heaven, Jesus promised that very thing. Jesus said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me 
that you also may be where I am. Whenever someone does something that no one else has done before, whenever someone rises to a level that no one else has reached, it really gives hope to everyone else like that person that one day they might do the same. In fact, since Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman named to the Supreme Court, three more women have done the same, all of them serving currently, in fact. Ever since Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, countless baseball players from all types of different nationalities have made it to Major League Baseball. And in the very same way, no matter how hopeless our circumstances seem, no matter how impossible it might appear for us to ever break out and have a better future, you and I can know with absolute certainty that a better future, a perfect future, is in store for us in heaven with God. Why? It's all because Jesus, one of us, has already paved the way. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here with Time of Grace. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. And we'd love for this podcast to be a blessing to you in the days to come. So if you could share this podcast, subscribe so that every episode ends up in your feed, or just leave us a review, we would love more and more people to hear this message so that their lives can be surrounded and blessed by the grace of God. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.